0: is episode 107 caregiver involvement featuring leanne sherrod hey slps wine and cheese listeners if you love our podcast please rate and review us on itunes it really helps our podcast and helps us to stay on the airwaves also be sure to check us out on patreon www.patreon.com backslash slps wine and cheese on Patreon, you could pledge to be a patron and you will have access to video content, exclusive interviews with Deb and some famous comedians, and even bonus episodes. So please be sure to check us out on patreon.com. Thank you so very much for your support. We really appreciate it. Cheers. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Maria.
1: And I'm Deb.
0: And here's our podcast.
1: It's for the realistic SLP
0: who is actively anti-racism.
1: Yes, and that's today,
0: who we are. And today I have a tip from Asha. This is leader asha org. The link will be in the show notes, and. Their tip is to be open to changing and evolving. Did someone say your comment or action was racist? Do not respond with tears or denial. Listen and reflect. If you can't be corrected without being offended, you will never grow in life. All right. So Good. Yeah, that's our tip from Asha. Heard it from the horse's mouth.
1: (laughs) So today I'm drinking uh, Rufino Chianti. It is a complex and deep red wine, characterized by sweet cherry and red berry fruit notes. It's well balanced on the palate with a velvety tannins. There's, it's delicately spiced with hints of tobacco, leather, cedar, and white pepper. And I think it tastes like wine. Cheers!
0: Cheers to your tobacco wine. I have a straw. Mm. So i finally got my teeth cleaned because oh. this was closed with covid and pushed right back all the appointments so i am not staining my pearly whites right now
1: uh, my wine is from tuscany italy and it's uh, quite tasty so i vote drink it and i am pairing that with a provolone cheese uh, provolone is a semi hard cheese it has hints of nuts salty undertones and it is smooth and full of character and i think that um i want to be provolone cheese i want to be smooth and filled with character and a well, little nutty
0: yeah you are what you eat and i feel right. like you you are already those things. So Thank you. Am I smooth? You're smooth. Good. All right. I think you're very smooth. You know, you drop your hints in there and some people don't get them, but I get them. Oh, okay. (laughs) Good. Just saying. And uh, I would have to agree that you are what you eat. So keep eating that. That sounds delicious. The nutty part for me
1: for sure. It, It pairs well with the wine. It was actually recommended online to pair these two together. So I did follow
0: those instructions. Good. I'm glad that you followed the instructions of how to get wasted. Just kidding. Just <laughs> what kidding. are you drinking? I'm drinking a Sutter home Merlot. It's this California fresh and smooth with black cherry flavors and hints of smoke and spice Ooh. similar to yours. And yeah. this one, I want to be this right. Easy going, low maintenance, <laughs> You know, just pair with pasta, chicken, beef, lamb, pizza, love pizza. Yeah, it and goes I'm, with anything. Exactly. That's me. I just want to be chill and relaxing so that's why I'm drinking it with the straw.
1: <laughs> and I'm guessing that you vote drink it because you are only you're 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 doing your best to avoid staining your teeth, but you still could and it must be because the wine is worth it
0: totally worth it and Mm -hmm. i have a goat cheese from costco i love costco (laughs) it's so smooth and i even cooked with this cheese i put it on my vegetables so definitely eat this cheese and i really appreciate a smooth cheese with a smooth wine and you just like drink it and you just feel so good about yourself you're like this is my life and i like it
1: everything's smooth
0: everything's smooth and chill
1: I do like a goat cheese omelet. So if you have goat cheese at home, make yourself a goat cheese omelet. You'll thank me later.
0: Yes, you will. Mm -hmm. Speaking of thanking people, we want to thank our guests who came on the show. Yeah. Leanne
1: Sherrod. I was like, how do you say your last name? And she was going to, I thought it was uh, Sherrod or I couldn't remember what I said, but when she said Sherrod, I was like, Oh, like Jared. And she was like, I guess I've never even thought of that (laughs) so I don't know how smooth I am but um (laughs) that's what that's where my brain went um and I felt like yeah I I can remember that name now so you know you got to do what works for you for your memory um but yeah it was a really informative episode we talk all about parents or caregiver Um, or caretaker, depending upon age, involvement in speech therapy.
0: Very exciting.
1: So, yeah, we talked all about how important it is for a parent or a caregiver or a caretaker to be involved in the speech therapy process. Um, From my perspective, having parents involved in speech therapy has been a challenge historically throughout my career. Um, I feel like as a speech pathologist, We have been bombarded with tasks on top of speech therapy, between paperwork, planning, and just everything else that has to do with the job. I've never in my whole career spoken to or been involved with parents so much as I am now that we are forced to do so much virtually. And I I really see the benefits of it, apply that to their routines that they do in their life. Do you feel like it's been helpful to you
0: absolutely i was one of those people who i started off with like talking to parents as much as i needed to you know Mm -hmm. but now i've become really comfortable and i i think all the parents are great they're really just trying their best and i'm not a parent so i'm not judging anyone and i know they're trying their best and they're in it to win it and they're motivated to to help their child. So I, I really appreciate that. So I've been really looking at them as someone that's going to help me to do my job. So if you come from that perspective, like, hey, they're just here to help me. They're not here to make my life more difficult. Right. That thought from your brain and come from that thought that they're here as my sidekick because this is who the kid spends the most time with this is who's going to carry over the strategies and who knows what they want more than i do or more than i think i do so i found that when you look at them as your ally and you're you're a lot more open to what they have to say too and you become like a team and it is a team approach and i remember Mm -hmm. learning SLPs work as a team and we learned that in grad school but like what does that mean? That means that you ask mom like how's he doing today or how's she doing today and okay aside from these IEP speech goals like what else does he struggle with? Like some really important questions to ask.
1: Mhm. And how do you include the parents in the therapy? Do you give them instructions and then you watch them do stuff or do you ask them to do like hand over hands like what what does it look like on your end?
0: It really depends on the kids so for example, maybe I'll model it a couple of times and then maybe the next session I'll be like, oh, do you want to try what we just, what I did with him last time? Like that. So I'll like Mm -hmm. maybe do model it the first time, even maybe within the same session or maybe the next session, just to have them more accustomed to like, okay, what is she doing? And what I usually do is I I'm explaining what I'm doing as I'm doing it. So I'm like, okay, now I'm going to ask the same question, but mom, don't, don't get, because my biggest thing is like the phonemic cues, like stop giving verbal cues, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it helps when you sing it, right? It helps right, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So okay. it's not as rude. Right.
1: <laughs> it just sounds like you are breaking out into song. It's just a, this is a musical number of yes. <laughs> please don't answer for the child.
0: Yes, please stop. No <laughs> hit a high note. Um, so I will mo- I'm explaining what I'm doing as I'm You're doing. You're like, it. stop
1: with the phonemic cues
0: <laughs> <Stop> <laughs> in the name of cues <laughs> before okay. you break my data. Stop. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I had to do that. Sorry. What were you saying? No, oh, I, I <laughs> okay. love it.
0: This is what I do. Yeah, I'm glad that you're picking up what I'm putting down here.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm yes anding you.
0: Great. Thank you. Yeah,
1: that's an improv term. Instead of like shooting down ideas, you're supposed to be like, yes, and I'm going to build on your idea.
0: Ooh, I'm into yeah. it. I'm into that. I love improv. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I just explain what I'm doing. Number one, number two, I look at them. I like my ally number three, I'll have them do it. And number four, if it's a new skill, I will do hand over hand Uh or I'll, um, like for teletherapy, I'll be like, Oh mom, did he point to the right one? And, and a lot of times the parent, like, let's say for the boom cards, right? If they're not getting it, they're like, no, say this one. And I'm like, it's okay if he clicks the wrong answer. So then he's going to hear whoops. Exactly. So I'm like, it's okay. And that's how we're really measuring if they know it. So mm-hmm. teaching them to scale it back a little also, and it makes them see too how much they can do or how much they can't do. And really it's just letting your child and the student be more independent, which is ultimately mm-hmm. both our goals, right? Exactly. Yeah. So stay cheers tuned. To that. To the, cheers. yeah,
1: cheers. Cheers. Very nice. Yeah. I know we can't like click through. I have another cup Here we go, cheers, (laughs) and I broke it, no I didn't. Um, Yeah, so Leanne talks about teaching, modeling, coaching and then providing feedback. So talking about what they're going to do, then modeling how it should be done, coaching them while they're doing it and then providing feedback like if there were any missed opportunities or if something could have been um, withheld a little bit further. You'll hear more about that um, in this interview but stay tuned after the commercial
0: break. This episode is brought to you by SmartCharts. Hey, SLPs, are you sick of rewriting goals, trying to meet unrealistic time expectations, and navigating new therapeutic territories? SmartCharts is here to help. We have taken the guesswork and time out of goal writing and documentation. With SmartCharts, you can create personalized intervention plans, IEPs, and POCs with our easy-to-use goal writing tool. Track and save session notes and data instantly for all documentation needs. Yep, for your school, health settings, and even to share with patients of all ages through graphs and fun pictures for the littles. We want to make 2020 a little bit better for you essential workers, and we are offering all Wine & Cheese listeners 30 days free and 50% off all new memberships forever. Yes, forever. Just use coupon code WINECHEESE2020. Be sure to check out MySmartCharts.com to get charting faster, better, and smarter. And now, back to the show.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Deb, and today I would like to welcome my guest, Leanne Sherrod. Say hi, Leanne.
2: Hi, Deb. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, thanks for joining us. Leanne is a fellow SLP. She and a group of colleagues have started their own teletherapy company called Expressible. Expressible offers affordable online speech therapy for a range of adults and childhood disorders. So congratulations, Leanne.
2: Thank you. Thanks so much.
1: Yeah. So today we're going to chat all about caregiver involvement during the speech therapy or teletherapy session. But before we do that, let's talk about what we are drinking and snacking on. Awesome. So I am drinking a Chianti. It is a one minute where I had this down. Okay. Um, it's a Bordelino. Uh, Chianti. It is a deep red Chianti. It's fruity and it's from Italy. I am pairing that with provolone cheese, which is a semi-hard cheese. It's also Italian. So I'm staying, I'm sticking with the same region. And uh, yeah, I vote drink it. It's very tasty and
2: it pairs well with my cheese. What do you have? Wonderful. Well, I am actually getting a little fancy on everyone. Ooh. I'm drinking a Brute Champagne mm. um, from South Africa. I'm very pro sparkling wine and champagne. I think we should normalize it and drink it on occasions that might not be that special because it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, it is pretty dry. I guess Brutes are usually pretty dry, which I like in a wine. So I'm definitely going to vote drink it. Um, it's called Graham back. I don't know if that's <laughs> if it's weird to like sound um, No. And then I'm actually not, I'm not snacking on anything because I'm quite full from a late lunch. Ooh. It involved cheese. Um, <laughs> I have the luxury of having a husband who is a much better chef than I. So he like really randomly whipped together homemade tomato soup and, a grilled cheese with some turkey on there. So I had my cheese earlier in the day, and it was
1: delish. That sounds amazing. My husband also does the cooking. He has never made me homemade tomato soup yet. I will have to get on that.
2: Yeah. I get tomato sauce a lot. Ah.
1: Okay. But, yeah, tomato soup, Hmm, and that grilled cheese. Mm -hmm. One time I went to a restaurant that had a grilled cheese – like a what is that called for salad but it's a crouton it was a grilled cheese crouton for the top of the tomato soup for a brunch special
2: oh like a little crostini you know I think he busted it out because we're we're down here in Austin Texas and last week it was still pretty hot outside and then this week like last night it dropped to 39 so we're feeling all the And maybe everyone else is already there, but we're just getting our first kind of fall feels. And so I think he really just could go for a soup today. Yeah, it felt like it was time. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Makes sense. (laughs) All right. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you go to school? How long have you been an SLP? All the good stuff.
2: All the good stuff. So I went to George Washington University for my undergrad. Um, I originally went thinking I was gonna do maybe communications, maybe journalism, something like that. And I took one intro course that kind of was a sprinkling of like public speaking and speech pathology, accents, dialects, linguistics, like that. And mm-hmm. that was really the first time I had even ever thought about speech pathology. Um, and from there, I I headed straight down the track. I didn't really look back. I focused all my classes from pretty much the second half of freshman year on. And then I went straight to graduate school at Northwestern um, immediately after that. So I've been an SLP now since 2015, I guess. So a nice. um, handful of years and it's it's been good. And what's your main area of focus?
1: Or are you a jack of all disorders?
2: Yeah, well, it's what a, what an interesting question. I talk about it a lot. I guess I I guess I'm sort of a generalist. If I had to pick an area that I think is my favorite and that I maybe am the most passionate about, it's early intervention and early language development. Um, I think maybe that ties in a lot to our topic today of talking about caregiver involvement because that's really the crux of the issue when you're talking about um, those kiddos. Yeah, Um,
1: I'd love to hear all that because it sounds like... I currently, I have two young kids. One is a parent consult model. Um, but I always like wonder It's it's just, it's challenging. So I'm really excited to hear everything that you have to say about yeah. that.
2: Yeah. And then uh, since we started Expressible, I've also had much more of an opportunity to work with adults as well. Cause I previously was pretty focused in pediatrics from home health, early intervention, outpatient clinic and schools. It was pretty kid centric, but, um, I've started working more and more with a handful of adults and I've actually really been loving that kind of a little unexpectedly. I didn't, I didn't see it coming, but mm-hmm. I, I like it as well.
1: Yeah. I miss that. I liked, cause when you have the adults, you can, you can like have a rotten day and you're like, "Ugh, I feel lousy. And they're like, what happened? Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> And with a, in, in
2: actual conversation, yeah. And
1: with a kid, you're like, everything's
2: great. Look at me, woohoo! I'm a clown. Like, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a literal clown. Yeah. Um, no, that's true. You have to very much be happy, even when you are not happy. Yeah. Um, but with adults, you can you can be a little bit more straight up. That's a good point. Maybe yeah. that that is quite an enjoyable piece about it. Mm Hmm.
1: So, what motivated you to uh, create or establish? I don't know the right word, um, but expressible. How did you get into that?
2: Yeah. So, I, my, my husband comes from a healthcare technology background, and he's actually our um, another co founding member. He's our CEO, along with two others, Spencer and Ryan, who also come from healthcare tech backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Um, it probably was really born out of me kind of coming home from work on the regular and complaining about some barrier to me just trying to do the job that I was interested in doing, which was deliver therapy services, Mm -hmm. Um, insurance being stymied by denials or waiting for new authorizations or, you know, they're dropping on and off their current plan. So you can't see them. Mm -hmm. Um, Showing up and no one's there. Oh, that's a fun one. That's a super fun one. Driving in rush hour traffic across Austin for 45 minutes and then get $0 for it right. when they're not there. Um, yeah, that's, that's a fun one. Um So really just, I mean, it, it really did stem out of wanting to just do therapy and kind of not have to, uh, from a therapist standpoint, not have to deal with a lot of the other burdensome pieces, like a lot of paperwork, IEP paperwork, insurance billing, everything like that.
0: Mm -hmm. And really just
2: wanting to get down to brass tacks of therapy with the client, with the families. Um, And then we, you know, telepractice really helps bring the access point to a lot more people. So that's um, really our notion. We kind of also view it as like a a technology enhanced um, approach to therapy for sure.
1: Right, and you, you, I have been speaking with you guys for quite some time prior to the pandemic, and mm-hmm. it already seemed like a great idea. What happened when the pandemic hit?
2: Oh, Lord! Um, it, well, you know, it's it's kind of a strange thing. I would, I guess, I'd call it a. If I was going to take any silver lining from I, this weird time, mm-hmm. it would be that I think that it's really pushed the thinking forward on telepractice yeah telemedicine in general, so um I think we definitely have seen a lot of a lot more growth than we might have expected or might have anticipated right um so it's it's been really exciting, it's been pretty hectic mm-hmm. um, and you but- already had a
1: HIPAA compliant platform, which was like a huge struggle for the transition in the position that I'm in because I was like in school on a Thursday and then never went back, so it wasn't like the people that i was working for or anybody in new york city had any sort of idea or plan and it was like zoom is okay one day zoom is out the next day but you already had
2: all that yeah, stuff yeah we did we were already kind of set up to rock and roll which was very helpful i know we chatted with a couple other people just about um i think i think what i wanted to share with everyone is i thought it was really important that therapists kind of stick to their guns about that stuff and not let either companies or schools kind of have them folding on it. Cause I think it's one of those things that yeah. it's hard to, it's hard to walk back once it's out there. If you're, if you're getting to people in a non-HIPAA compliant way, like if you're just like, yeah, FaceTime me, Skype me, right. Yeah. they're, they're going to want, they're going to be like, well, why can't we do that always? And the reason okay. you can't is because it's a bad idea. Right. Um, so you yeah, just have to we, just start we start off, doing,
1: right. Like just start yeah. off the way that you want to keep going.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, so it's been great so far.
2: It's been really good. I think that we're really excited about the um, the positive feedback that we get, just um, whether it's families who maybe are accessing our services now because of the pandemic, but also we we get a lot of feedback like, well, I wish I wish that you guys existed sooner. I wish I knew about you sooner because Mm -hmm. we've we've been looking for something like this. Like we live an hour away from our nearest clinic. So it's always right. been a pain for us to get services or, um, like I, I almost cried weeding, reading, 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 <laughs> reading, reading one message from a family one day that said, you know, just really, really effervent effervescently nice. Like you guys are heaven sent because they had been trying to get therapy for their, um, young girl for years, but never could afford it because they had to go out of pocket. And right. So, yeah. Um, we, yeah, we've been really excited. Um, we're glad at the team that we felt all the therapists that we have on the team. Um, they're awesome as well. So we're super glad to have everyone on board.
1: Yeah, that's great. And I would say that there are, I mean, despite it being a difficult time right now, there are, um, several silver linings that I've witnessed, um, as a result of the pandemic and it mostly is the forward thinking like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've loved that. I have never talked to parents more in my whole career. I've never seen parents more. I've never been more involved with parents in this whole, than this whole time. Um, I have like some kids, their parents right there. So they hear me every single day and what Mm -hmm. I'm doing. So they're more likely to use that, those techniques and strategies in their everyday life.
2: Yeah, I think, um, I think it can't be overstated how impactful that is. And it might not be the way that it always is, especially for those who are, you know, maybe doing school services, but the kids are at home. Once things go back to being in person for schools, you know, that that same opportunity might not exist for right. everyone. So I, I think capitalizing is pretty cool to to try to take advantage of the fact that we do have that right now.
1: Absolutely. So what does caregiver involvement look like to you?
2: Yeah, caregiver involvement, and that could be for parents or you know family members, caretakers of adults as well. Um, it looks like education about what's being worked on why it's being worked on sometimes I think that part gets missed. <laughs> yeah why are we why are we doing what we're doing? what is our ultimate goal? You know sometimes we as therapists might get lost in the weeds a little bit with our narrow goal focus and we might yeah. not realize we're not really conveying the overall point to the family. Um, so education about what you're doing, why you're doing it, and then how it can be incorporated into. For me, most importantly, into a daily routine, into the the consistent schedule that a family already has. Because if we are trying to get them to work on stuff that's additional to their day, that's the time when it's just going to be dropped. It's going to be lost in the cracks. Um, Right. Moments aren't going to be capitalized on and then progress is going to be slower than we would hope for.
1: Right. And then it's also less relevant then to that child if you're not choosing it in a way that it's integratable into their ordinary life, then it's like, well, you know, maybe this kid doesn't need to know how to balance a checkbook, you know, like but maybe
2: (laughs) maybe that's not like a skill that they run into. Yeah, definitely. I think when I if I look at it mostly from, you know, the younger kids, um, I think the biggest, the biggest, the biggest example I think of with that early language population is, um, sometimes, you know, I think it's awesome. Therapists are coming to the table with lots of like fun stuff, especially during this time with the screens. Um, I come to a lot of my sessions for those kids, honestly, with nothing. Mm -hmm. I come with nothing because I want them to be in their space with their toys the stuff they already have in their natural environment, because at the end of the session, that's what the parent has then to work with. The parent right. doesn't have my fun background screen. Right. Um, as, as cool as it is to elicit some things in those moments, like sometime the novel, sometimes the novelty is good to kind of elicit those things, but right. um, I really want to push it over to their space because and, and, the parent's just going to be so much more likely to, to pick up on it than, like you said, if they're yeah. getting right there. So why is it important
1: to have the caregiver there? Why can't the caregiver just be washing dishes at that point or like getting something done that they need to get done that they have no freedom all day. So like it's hard for the buy-in. So what is, why is it so important?
2: Yeah, it's important for the carryover. We might never be able to get the skills out of the therapy session if we don't have someone on the other side helping to bridge that gap. Um, I think so much of the time we're looking at our data, we're like, yeah, kids, 80, 90% on that goal. And then we check in with family maybe, and they say, oh no, I don't see that. I, right. you know, they never use that sound correctly when mm-hmm. I'm talking to them. But the, the whole point of the therapy is to get them using it all the time. So the parent and caregiver education is really about bridging the gap to get those skills generalized outside of the therapy session.
1: So then do you set the instructions that, you know, at the commencement of therapy that the caregiver must be like side by side with the child?
2: I do for a certain, I, I kind of approach them differently. So definitely like the the under, especially for telepractice, the under five population Mm-hmm. Yeah, from the get go, I'm letting them know like it's gonna be a team effort. We need you there the whole time, not only to help us stay in the session. (laughs) Right. Um, in front of the screen and not like wandering away or laying down. Um, but also again, so like you said, Deb, like even just them, even if I'm working with a five year old and I'm mostly communicating with them, even parent being there and hearing the same cues that I'm giving, then they can do the same thing when they're trying to practice. Um, the, the really young kids, those are the ones where I, you know, want to get that buy-in from the beginning that I might not even really be doing that much interacting with the child at all. Mm -hmm. It might be almost entirely you with them and me talking with you as a, a parent coaching model. Um, and then some of the older kids, you know, yes, they can, they can do the sessions independently, but, um. When the, in the telepractice setting, again, because we have that advantage, I want to do those really regular check ins about here's what right. we did today, here's what we worked on, here's what you guys can do to practice.
1: And if they're in earshot, that's good because then they can hear how it was practiced.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: So, what does your session look like for a one to two year old?
2: Yeah. So, for a one to two year old working on anything, you know, early language, early speech, um, I might. Send so we we have a HIPAA compliant texting service we use that's really handy. So Mm -hmm. I might send a text like an hour or so before the session with an idea about something I might like the family to come to the session with. So Mm -hmm. helping them, helping them lay out a little bit of a structure. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I might say preemptively, like we're gonna. Why don't you bring maybe two choices from these toys, and we're gonna work on um, verbal choice making today. So kind of giving them a heads up, letting them think about what we're going to be targeting um, okay. so that it can start kind of stewing in their mind. Um, we'll start off the session and the whole concept of the, um, the teach model coach feedback. So okay. talk about what we're going to do, explain it um, at a level that's digestible to families. I think sometimes therapists miss that too. Like we, um, Can you give us, us a little, little
1: blurb like what you might say for verbal choice making?
2: Yeah, so we might say um, we, you know, your kiddos at the point where we know they can identify um, a cow and a dog, but they're not yet, you know, they're not yet using those words with us. So in order to try to get them to use that, what we can do is show them just two objects at once, instead of all the objects in the room, and we can model those so that we're getting them halfway there. So we show them cow, we say cow. Show them dog, we say dog. And then we wait for them to indicate which one they're gonna want. Do they reach for the cow? If they do, we're gonna wait, we're gonna pull back and model again cow and wait for them to imitate. So talking about wait time, talking about, how it's okay to not immediately put right. the object in the kiddo's hand. Um, and then, you know, usually in those moments too, I, 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 I don't know about others, but I usually say, if we don't get it after two tries, probably move. If, you know, we'll try twice to get them to imitate. If they don't, we'll model it once more and, and hand them their choice and mm-hmm. try with the next one. Cause past that, you're probably looking at some frustration. Right. Um,
1: <laughs> yes. of course. And,
2: So we kind of talk through it and then we have them try it um, as many times as we can with whatever it is, the different puzzle pieces, the different pictures on the blocks. Um, And then going back through the feedback. So looking at what they did and then helping them point out like what, um, what could have been done differently to maybe elicit a different response. And then at the end of this session, whatever we targeted, I want to try to help them walk away with some ideas about different activities that they could also do the rest of the week. So helping them understand that it doesn't have to be this exact thing that we just did. It can fit into getting dressed in the morning. You -hmm. know, what are we going to put on first shirt or shorts? And then kiddo can pick and we're getting that language. Um, what was the framework that you said again? It was teach. Um, let me see. I don't want to, I don't want to mess it up. There might be a better acronym that I'm forgetting,
1: oh, but well, I like what you said.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I always think of it as teach, model, um, coach, feedback. Right. So, explaining it, demonstrating what you mean, having them try it while you're coaching and then kind of reconvening for feedback. Got it. Yeah, to that's review. great. Even yeah. if
1: there's a better I don't know if there's a better one. That sounds that's like mm-hmm. a good structure that you could adhere to all Early intervention yeah. or just like any sort of consultative model that you're doing.
2: Yeah. I'm trying to think. So that would be TMCF, which is not, <laughs> well, doesn't, it doesn't. doesn't make a word. <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs> oh, well, just yeah. do it anyway.
2: It's still a good structure.
1: <laughs> um, so I like, and I liked how you did it with like two toys. You're even giving me ideas or you can do the clothes too giving it back, giving it to them after two attempts, because at that point you're not really going to get too very, very far if you're going to frustrate them.
2: Usually I feel like, I mean, anecdotally, someone out there could, could tell me otherwise, but anecdotally I feel like two is usually the next. The other anecdotal thing that I would throw out there too, as a quick tip is I usually find once a kid has their hand, like physically touching an object, it's also a little bit game over, right, yeah, so the the kind of reaction like if they're using a point or a reach to indicate that they want it, and we're trying to get that, maybe it's verbal, maybe we want them to use their device or their their pecs or whatever they're using. Once their fingertips are on it, it's kind of like, oops, it's too right. Late. So <laughs> pull it trial, back more towards your ear yeah. or behind your mm-hmm. head, yeah, up, up to your face so they're looking at you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because if they have it in their hand, I think in their little minds, they're like, it's mine now, yeah. I, I have it, it's mine. What do you mean, <laughs> I'm on it, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. that makes sense for
1: sure. Okay. Um, and then so I was wondering if we could go over a couple just like really practical tips or tricks that I love what you you get. You just told us anyone can do that in their next session. If you have anything else like that, that you could give um, some like tips or pointers to apply to other people's sessions.
2: Yeah. I think one quick tip when you're starting with families, especially again, this is framed for particularly those early language users. Uh Um, when you're starting with a family, getting a rundown of their daily routine is really impactful for us to be able to understand how can what we're trying to work on fit into their mm-hmm. life. So if I'm starting on an eval, I, I usually like to do a daily routines review where they kind of literally talk me through what their average day looks like. Mm-hmm. Um And then
1: routines review. I'm gonna write that down. I'm doing that tomorrow.
2: Yeah, (laughs) and not you know not just like the babies. It might be um, a kiddo on the spectrum who you're you're trying to establish more language with. Same kind of thing. Working it into again because if it doesn't fit, it's probably not gonna get done. Um, Right. Which is just because people are busy, (laughs) especially now in this pandemic. People are busy. Um, Yeah. That's why think, we need all these
1: tips and tricks cuz we're busy, you yeah, can't think of yeah. all this stuff all the time.
2: Um I would say for the therapist as well, something that I learned recently and this is coming from a telepractitioner. I saw it in a TikTok. I'm not on oh. TikTok, but I saw it in a TikTok.
1: Yeah, it gets you somehow still if if you don't have the app.
2: It gets to you like Instagram, Facebook, mm-hmm. that's where I'm digesting TikTok. Um makes me feel pretty old. Um the they're building tab folders mm-hmm. on your browser so especially when you're doing telepractice you have all your materials that you're probably organizing um I personally have a lot of sites that I need to function all at once mm-hmm. and you, can, you can put them all into one folder and then when you open your computer at the beginning of the day or maybe you have folders for particular clients maybe you have wow. that you can open, you can cl- right click the folder and then open all of them at once. So you don't have to like go to the next tab and find a thing. Go oh to that yeah, thing. that like would be open.
1: me too. Cause I would be like YouTube, boom cards right. and then Google drive. That would be like my folders.
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you can pop them open all at once instead of needing to go individually. And that way, yeah, you can even organize them by client. So you might have like, you're our tick clients, or you might even have like little Billy's folder. Here's everything that I use with little Billy. Ah, Um, perfect. Yeah. So that's it. That's a quick and easy one that could be implemented tomorrow. Absolutely. Love that. Um, let's see. Another telepractice tip is, um, don't fork over that remote access until they have earned it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think I see some therapists saying, oh, yeah, the remote access. And I'm always kind of like, I'm not giving that to any kid until we have gotten yeah. to the stuff we needed to get to.
1: Yeah. I'm always like, abort, abort. You're out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You're done. You're, you're out of here. <laughs> I'm like, I told you that you need to read the answer before you hit it. You hit the answer. You didn't read it. Now you're done. <laughs> no more. You're aborting control
2: it is funny how it's, it's a, even like stop control probably would have been enough but abort control is really strong language
1: yeah um,
2: I think that's but, what it says on zoom it's like it abort <laughs> it's I can like... Confirm. it says abort <laughs> um so that I mean that's just a, a handy little tip for other telepractitioners out there um Let's see. I don't know. I I I might have more tips. Is there something you're particularly interested in hearing about? Well,
1: I mean, I feel like whenever I'm searching for ideas, it's like what to do in my early intervention teletherapy session. So I'm going to do the verbal choice making with toys and clothes now, and then also I'm going to also add food to that. Yeah, because the parents been working on cookie, so I'm going to be like <laughs> throw something else in there too. Um. And so I'm going to work on that. But yeah, so what else is another technique that you have coached a parent through for early intervention?
2: Um, I talk uh, like along the lines of um, kind of controlling, controlling the environment to be set up in the way that we want it to be. Um, That's why I sometimes want to send those preemptive texts, I want them to come to the session um, in a way that's comfortable and in the natural environment. But I don't really want to have the kid having access to every toy in the house and lots of distracting things around. Mm -hmm. And then along those lines too, if we have um, something that we're using, I encourage a lot of those um, communication temptations. So containers that you know the kid can't open. Right. You know, it's, it's a bag that's sealed. It's a jar that's closed too tight. We, if they want it, they're going to have to communicate with us to get it, whether there's chips in that bag or puzzle pieces in that bag. Um, and then once we have the bag open, I also encourage, um, I tell the family like, okay, you're going to hoard all the pieces. Right. Hoard them all. <laughs> yeah. You, you get all them together. You keep hold of them because sometimes we'll just open the thing and then the pieces are all over the floor. We'll guess right. what? right. If they're really in the zone and they're kind of interested in that thing, they could get a hold of those pieces and not have to talk to you for the next five exactly. minutes. But yeah, if you're holding and we're kind of setting up the situation, really breaking it down piecemeal for them, model single words at a time. We're doing natural language expansions. Um, we're just controlling the environment in, in more of a way to kind of get what we're looking for, rather than entirely following the kids lead through things. I'm I'm kind of a 50/50 on that. 50, right. 50% following the kiddos lead and 50% like okay, this is the thing that we're going to set out for them to do here.
1: Right. Yes, makes sense. So you can also work on you can work on open or give me or more mm-hmm. if you have um a bunch of tempting containers and as long as yeah. you're hoarding them all on your side, it's not like you're giving them access to a bunch of containers. They yeah. have to once that one's open, you'll have to like remove it in some capacity so that your next container is uh, desirable.
2: Right. And even just the process of taking things out and putting them back in like at cleanup time, it's so simple to build a little two word utterance by saying goodbye to every piece, Mm -hmm. every puzzle piece. Bye cow. Bye dog. Bye cat. Um, You know, or, you know. Taking cat. them out, like doggy out, cat out, all those little two word phrases you can do. Mm-hmm. I also do a lot of, with those really early language users, um, three-step routines, uh, whether it's like a verbal routine, kind of like one, two, three, go, or ready, set, go, or just a play routine that only has three steps where you're repeating it to the point where it becomes predictable for them and then mm-hmm. they can kind of fill in the last piece right of the the verbal prompt to then initiate the the blocks falling or initiate the car going Think right like so
1: i've given written instructions for that but i've never thought to like tell the parent to do it with the camera like sit down on the floor set up your camera put that kid down on the floor in front of you and like do this activity mm-hmm. in front of me so i'm going to um work on that like having them actually act things out in front of me while i coach them through it so thank you for that tip
2: Yeah, I think I think that maybe we underestimate families a lot of the time, and then sometimes we might also get a little bit of that. We're telling them about something, or we've shared a a handout, and they might kind of do a little bit ahead, nodding like, "Yeah, okay, I get it, I get it." But then you actually see them try it, and you see kind of all the little missed opportunities or breakdown moments where things aren't maybe going as well as they could. And so right. I think it's important to actually have them try it out in front of you and get that feedback part of my terrible acronym that I did not build correctly. Well, I still like it. And feedback.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like it a lot. So it's, it's staying. Um, what was it again? It was, it was coach. Teach, teach no.
2: model, teach coach, model. feedback. Teach Maybe model. it's review. Teach model, coach, review. Teach teach model coach feedback that's not even a word yeah. either
1: it doesn't matter yeah. we don't need to make yeah. it a word it's it's a thing still one two three four just do it
2: yeah <laughs> just do it
1: yeah um so on that note do you have a quote that you can leave us with just something inspirational or a mantra something that you tell yourself throughout the day or that has ever resonated with you that you can leave our listeners with
2: um I gosh you know you said I, I knew I was gonna have to get a quote together and so I thought about it. Um, I think one, one that I think about a lot or really, I think resonates with me is the idea that there's no, let me get it right. There's no growth in your comfort zone and no, you know, what is it? There's no growth in your comfort zone and no comfort in your growth zone. So just okay. back and forth. The, the mm-hmm. notion that if if you're feeling comfortable and easy, then you might not be growing and when you get to the point where you're feeling maybe a little bit uncomfortable, it probably means that you're you're learning something new. That's um, great. Or doing something new. That's encouraging
1: because I feel like so often everyone talks about imposter syndrome or like the struggle of the day to day just like life of an SLP. So oh, yeah.
2: Oh I feel it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel all those things.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <on the daily. laughs> and so if you if you if you didn't, then you're kinda acting like you're a know it all, which you can't be in a field of science. So that's fine it's fine to be uncomfortable.
2: Yes, it is. I think embrace it. I think that's what I think about embrace the discomfort a little bit. And I think most SLPs that I talk to are that way. You know, we all acknowledge that we're learning on a daily basis. Like every new client is a learning curve, but I, I really like that about us and about the field.
1: Absolutely. So, where can people find you? Where can they find out more about your teletherapy company, Expressible? To just plug everything that you have here.
2: Oh, okay. So, our you can check out our website, which is expressible.io. The um little bit of the tech centric ending there instead mm-hmm. of the .com. So, Expressible is e x p r e s s a b l e. Um, if anyone has questions, they can email us at info at expressible.io. There's a for therapist page on there. We have a blog. We have um, videos up on our YouTube that everyone is, all the ones that are public, like you're more than welcome to share them. They're always geared towards parent educate, like caregiver education is really what they're about. They're not really so much Therapists for other therapists—they're really kind of meant to be therapists for families. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you like any of them, share them out with your clients. Um, but yeah, that's that's where we can be found.
1: Perfect, and, and it's very yeah. Googleable because all I did was type type in Expressible, and it popped right up. So if you can't okay, remember the there. fancy I O, it, it still <laughs> pops up.
2: Good, <laughs> we out here.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So thank you so much for doing this, Leanne. I really took a lot away from this episode and I'm going to use all of these tips in my therapy this week
2: awesome yay I'm glad I hope others do too and thank you so much for having me on